Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the My Vinyasa Practice Podcast, Heartfelt Consciousness. My name is Michaela. Thank you for being here. In today's episode, we touch on some sensitive topics. So please know that I have listed resources for you or anyone that you might know if you need any kind of support or assistance. Welcome back, everyone, to the My Vinyasa Practice Podcast, Heartfelt Consciousness. My name is Michaela. Today, we have with us Ashlyn Rochester. Ashlyn is a peer support member. She also teaches online. Um, She finished her yoga teacher training with us. Um, We love Ashlyn. So grateful to have her on today. Ashlyn, how are you feeling? I'm good. I'm so excited to be here and so honored and appreciative that you guys are interested in what I have to say. And like I said, just honored to be here and so excited. Yes. So glad to have you. So Ashlyn is going to share a little bit with us her sober story today. Um, So I'm going to allow Ashlyn a moment to just kind of introduce yourself. Tell us about you. Tell us about what drew you to yoga and maybe where you're at right now in your life. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I'm Ashlyn. I did, yeah, my yoga teacher training with MVP last summer. So I got certified in August. Yeah, I've been teaching since with my vinyasa practice and then, you know, being contracted out to teach at apartment complexes or uh, companies. Um, What else? I'm in the process of doing my 300 hour right now. And like she said, I'm a peer support member. um, So I kind of help out other students as well, which is also so fulfilling and I'm loving it. Um, I've been doing that since January. Um, Am I missing anything else? That's kind of the summary I could think of. (laughs) What do you like to do other than yoga? Do you, what are your hobbies? Yeah. So one of uh, the side effects of being sober is that I have so much more time to do things. And a lot of that I invest in not just yoga, but kind of like overall wellness and and health. So when I adopted my dog two years ago, uh, I kind of got back into running because I figured, you know, it's a good outlet for me and for him in the mornings. Um, So really when I got sober, I was able to set more attainable and kind of almost far reaching goals. So running in the morning. So I was able to do that. And then because I was running more often, I was able to like, you know, do 5Ks, do a 10K, do the half marathon. Um, so that's what I do. Reading. I'm in a book club. Um, I'm also participating in the, the MVP book club. Love to just learn more. So those are my big hobbies. That's awesome. So you kind of led us into a little bit what we are going to talk about today. So tell us a little bit about your decision to become sober when that happened, yeah. when that happened, what that looks like. Yeah. So being sober, I know for some people it's a, it's a complex topic and sometimes touchy for some. And I know usually as with life, you sometimes have to hit like your lowest low before you realize you need to make a change and not just with alcohol, but with, you know, like I said, with anything in life, usually that will kind of prompt some sort of change realizing, okay, like this is not how life should be, or like life can't just be like this. Like there's gotta be more to it. So I would say I hit a, a form of a low, like we went out on um, Rainy Street on a Sunday for a friend's birthday, and it just ended up being a whole day drinking thing that turned into like staying out till midnight, and like I don't remember like half of it, and I spent money I didn't have buying drinks, and then like I even called in to my work the next day saying that like I got food poisoning, but really I was just like so hungover, and like I normally don't get hungover too, so that was like really 
kind of had had a big impact on me and I was like there's no way that like this is just how we live life like there's this is not like peak life like this I, I can't do this for the next another 25 years um so I knew something had to change and I did um dry January the 2021 I did dry January and I didn't hate it but I didn't love it and I realized later before going into like deciding to be sober last April um <clears throat> I didn't have the right mindset with it so when I was doing dry January it always felt like I was missing out on something still and I was just like it felt more like a punishment than it felt more like gaining freedom like it does now so in April so instead of doing like AA that wasn't really my thing or my vibe um and it can be for some people so not shaming it it just wasn't for me so what I did instead was I read a lot of books about sobriety and like how other people tackled the topic and just understanding what happens to my body when I drink alcohol and like realizing it is a poison and like it's it's not helping my body become like the best version of itself or even just helping myself become the best version of myself and just kind of realizing that we do when we have this one body, this one life. And I want to be able to like, like your body is a temple, like you should be treating it well, eating well. Um, so that was a big factor. And I figured, you know, I've already, I've already hit the low. I was like, let's try this for a month, see what happens. And then I just kind of kept loving it and just kept going on and on and on. And then I hit a year and last April. Yeah. So. So tell me a little bit. Um, I really love how you said you weren't in the right mindset when you tried, tried in January. So tell me a little bit about what changed, how you yeah. went into that second decision, second try that lasted yeah. a year now. Yeah. I think a big difference is having, having the knowledge and feeling empowered and then also having a community for when I went to go do it kind of the second time when I did dry January, I didn't have sober friends. I didn't know how to replace alcohol with another substitute. I didn't have just the knowledge. I just didn't have it then. So it did feel like I was always missing out. And it did feel more like that punishment. Like I remember going to dinner with my boyfriend at the time and being kind of like jealous that he got to find this like fun cocktail. And I was like, I guess I'll get this like sparkling water refresher thing. But now that's like the tables have like complete, yeah, 180 now. And like, it feels so empowering and freeing that like, I get to be like my most authentic self and get to just be myself and not have to worry about um, just other people and like what they think. Because I feel like alcohol can really help with suppressing like emotions and feelings. And so not having that barrier and that mask is very freeing to be able to just be me. I love that. So for you, you feel like this decision is what led to you being able to live more authentically yourself. And I think that that's what's important when you're making any kind of decision for yourself, yeah. regardless of what the decision is, one way or the other, do you feel like you're staying true to you? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So like I said, the, I didn't have the knowledge and the, the support and the community the first time around. And so when I went to, you know, when I went to go dive in, like head first, like, hey, we're doing this, it said the knowledge I read, um, three books that really changed how I looked at alcohol. And one of them was Quit Like a Woman by Holly Whitaker. And so she kind of talks about what was also interesting. It's like the history of alcohol and how it's marketed to people. So that was really cool to kind of understand like, okay, this is why we think the way we do as a society about alcohol and why we think it's fun and all this stuff. Um, the other one was um, Sober Curious. So 
and hers that was kind of cool because doing my research I realized there's no hard or strict definition of what sober is or what like an alcoholic is so for sober for some people that just means like not drinking alcohol for others it means not alcohol or drugs or it just means you know and that's fine because everyone has their own journey and their own definitions um so sober curious was an interesting read because she kind of talks about you know, if you decide to be sober and then maybe one day you have a glass of wine, like that's not, doesn't have to be the end all be all. And then like I said, it depends on everyone's journey. So where if they can't do that, then that's fine. But it was kind of nice knowing that like, okay, if I make this decision, I don't have to be stuck with it for life, which can be kind of intimidating when you make any decisions in life really. So that was kind of cool knowing I had some freedom with it. So it wasn't just like this strict, hard, fast rule. Um, and then the last book was called The Sober Lush, and it was actually written by two Austin, um, yeah, two Austinites, two women who lived in Austin. I don't know if they still live in Austin, but such a fantastic book. It gave me so many opportunities to realize that now that I have all this free time and money, since I'm not spending it going out at nights and just like, again, so much time in the day, they kind of they told the story of like how they replaced alcohol with like doing all these activities. You know, one person got a membership to the art museum and that was like kind of her thing. Another person got like her tarot cards read, like just all these fun activities that I wouldn't have thought of normally. And it like inspired me to like create this list of like, okay, here's all the things that and like opportunities that I get to do now because I have all this freedom and this free time. Um, So just having the right mindset and shifting it that way as like, it's a positive thing. Like this is freeing. This is helping create independence and helping me like try new things that I probably never would have had before. Um, And then the other part of it was just like that community. Um, I joined a lot of Facebook groups of like sober people. And that was really cool. Just reading other people's stories and like hearing other people, you know, talk about their challenges and being so open and vulnerable was so inspiring and just reading the, you know, people struggling or, um, this, the community supporting them and, you know, letting them know that like they can do it, that, you know, giving advice and whatnot, that was really cool and inspiring. I really like, um, sober curious, I think is the one that you talked about. That sounds a lot like how we approach yoga at MVP. Like Mm -hmm. it does your, your journey with this practice doesn't have to look any specific way. Yes, that's exactly it. Like it doesn't have to look any specific way just because of the word, you know, that's there and everyone's on their own journey. So, you know, and that's something they discuss in like the the sober Facebook groups too. Some people are like, maybe, okay, I've done, you know, without alcohol for this long, maybe I can reintroduce it into my life into moderation or other people are like, I know that does not work for me. If I have one glass, I will just keep binge drinking and whatnot. And again, that's fine. Like that's people's journeys and that's something, and it's empowering to know that about yourself too. So that was cool. Yes. Beautiful. It's empowering to know that about yourself. That's what the sweaty idea is important for. Yes. Awesome. So how do you feel that your yoga practice on and off the mat has benefited from this? So such a drastic difference. So different. Um, Yoga kind of became my go-to for instead of going out with friends or going to happy hours, like I would go to yoga class. So I started going to yoga and kind of getting more serious into it since again like I had all this free time um, and it was always something that interested me so going to yoga and then I realized you know I kind of want to I want to know more about yoga I want to get the deeper understanding and, and the know the whys and the hows um, and then I was yeah researching yoga teacher trainings and then MVP came up and I got 
what was it the like the stimulus check and I was like great I'll just spend it on this like I'm I'm stimulating the economy like I'm <laughs> that's the point of it so it was like the exact about too so it was perfect so it was like I got a free yoga teacher training um and that really catapulted my life in a new direction so combining the yoga teacher training with being sober because at that point I went sober in April of 2021 and I started YTT in January so I was still very new into it and a lot of things that people it might be obvious, but it also might not be to some people. But when you go sober, like a lot of what you suppress when you drink or when you use alcohol as um, a coping mechanism, that kind of all resurfaces again once you are sober and it all comes up and it can be kind of a lot. Or maybe you just like start crying at something that you didn't think was going to make you cry or, or triggered by something. And you're like, OK, this is because I haven't dealt with this issue. So yoga was um, and YTT was really good at kind of giving me the mechanisms and the tools to kind of help cope with that. But also again, like creating that community and um, yeah, helping me realize more about myself, but yeah, there is like other ways to live life that doesn't just have to be based around alcohol. Like it can be based around like your values and everything will kind of flow after that. But yeah. That's great. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, I have several questions in my head, so I need yes. to decide which one I want to move forward. Absolutely. With. Ask away. What do you feel was the hardest part of making the decision? Um, I would probably say the first thing that comes to mind was my friends. I thought my friends were like, not going to want to be my friend anymore. They were like, oh, well, she's lame for doing this or she's not going to be fun anymore. So I was kind of worried about that, the aspect of what would my friends think or will I even still have friends after that? And that is a big part of becoming sober is the relationships that you have will not be the same after you go sober. And that's something I realized with my friend group. So like, yeah, my worst fear was kind of, I was going to lose my friends. And in the end I did, but it was at my own choice. It wasn't their choice. I just realized, you know, we don't have the same values and that's fine. Cause like I said, being sober, some of the benefits, you know, I had so much more time in the day. So then it led me to want to do more hobbies that are fulfilling to me, which meant not drinking, not going out, not, you know, participating in that culture. So I would do think, yeah, more things that fulfilled me, which was like more working out, being more mindful of what I ate and how I treated my body. Um, and that didn't align with my friends at the time. And that's okay. And that's, that's their journey. We just weren't at the same time. We were just crossing over um, and that's and that's fine. So I kind of let them go. I was like, I still love you all. We had great times. We had great memories, but this is just like not where we're at in life and that's okay. And um, that was kind of like my biggest fear and it ended up happening. But, and it was a, it was a lonely kind of couple months after that because I didn't have like a new friend group yet to kind of like replace them or, um, kind of substitute them and it was funny I was writing my blog about my one year of sobriety and I was reading my old journal from a year ago and I literally wrote in my journal you know like oh I went to the pool at the apartment and it made me realize like how lonely I am and like not in like a romantic way but like just in a friendship way because like I didn't have like a best friend that I could like call on to go do things spontaneously and like I didn't have that friend group anymore um, so while that was rough, I don't want to say it was like worthwhile, but now that I do have the friends that we do share the same values and they respect my boundaries, like going into friendships now as someone who's sober, it's so nice to be able to just explain 
to any future friends just being like this is who I am and these are my boundaries if you don't respect them that's fine like I'll move on to the next group of people next friends and it's just so freeing and liberating just being like I don't I don't drink I don't you know go out past 9 p.m I love to get my eight hours of sleep so I'm in bed by nine so like my friends know not to invite me to late night things and they know that yeah I love doing activities so we'll go do rock climbing we'll volunteer together we'll go to shows together um so my friendships changed because you realize kind of maybe your values change but then also friendships change as in like the activities you do together change as well and I realized that with dating too that instead of just going and getting drinks with people or dinner like I wanted to do things together so like we would go mini golfing or like said rock climbing and volunteering so it was kind of cool to see the transformation and relationships I love that. That's awesome. It's that's such sounds like such a hard decision that kind of conscious unfriending, mm-hmm. um, especially as someone myself who often feels very lonely. That seems like a very difficult decision. Yeah. Um, but I'm impressed <laughs> by your ability to see like the the future consequences of the decision that you were making in the moment. Yes. Um, so that's awesome. Thank you. And I'm glad that you feel like you have a group of people now that yes. support you and uplift you. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Like I said, YTT helped with that because, you know, we all have that shared value and goal and activity of, of yoga, of becoming a teacher, of we're all learning this together. And it can be a, a pretty emotional time to doing, you know, YTT, like I said, even not even if you're sober or not, just the things that arise as you're doing these learnings, like oh my gosh, I still, this is my favorite like memory from YTT, but like we did this meditation with Michelle and it was like, she set this beautiful scene of like, we're in a prairie forest, somewhere out of mountains, all these things, so beautiful. And then she talks about how we're, you know, there's like a small child and it's you as like your inner child or like your child is like from the past. Um, And that like meditation, like I saw when I saw this child, I saw it as like a blacked out version. Like it was just all black, like a shadow. And I realized instinctively that that was me as a child. And I just felt like the loneliness and like the heartbreak and the sadness coming from her. And then me as an adult, I was able to like confront her and like hold her and like give her a hug and let her know like you're safe, you're loved now. Like we don't experience that anymore, like kind of reparenting yourself. And that was just, I came out of it like crying at the end. And like, you know, we're going around the room sharing what we all saw. And Michelle's like, oh, you, you went in. I was like, oh yeah, I went deep. I was like, but that was so freeing. It was beautiful. Like it really, I feel like healed something inside me. It was amazing. That inner child work can be deep and heavy. (laughs) But it's so worth it because it's so healing. Yes. Absolutely. And I like that the way that she said that, like you went deep, there's absolutely like you make, you can make the choice going into it, how you want to approach it. What are you going to allow into your space? Um, And it seems like you were, you seem to be very open to like everything you try, Ashlyn, which is one of the things I really appreciate about you is how open you are to everything. I appreciate Uh, it. Yeah. I always figure, you know, try something once and, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Being sober has helped with the openness. I've always just been kind of an open person as well. Um, In college, I was like sexually assaulted and I never let that like 
pull me down. I mean, obviously you go through a hard time after something like that. So I had problems with like depression and whatnot after that. But then once I was able to kind of come through on the other side and um, kind of find myself again and find my voice and really process like what happened and how it has impacted my life. Like I became yeah, very open about it. So like, I don't mind discussing it. I think it's very freeing discussing it. Like it's something that happens in society that like it's an issue and we need to talk about it and we need to work on it. And it's always, it never, it never ceases to amaze me the power of, you know, other sexual assault survivors. But, you know, every time I would share a story or talk and do like a public speaking event and share my story, so many people would come up to me afterwards and be like, I've also went through something similar. Like I have been where you have been, or I, you know, want to be where you are. It's just incredible. It's amazing. And I've never, I've never found a downside to being open. Like I be, like I am a writer, so I have a blog and I find I get very vulnerable. It's usually, my blog is mostly whenever I'm sad about being heartbroken by a man or something. And I've never found a disadvantage to being guarded and like closed off every time, even though it's scary to be open and to be vulnerable, it's also just so rewarding. Yes, I love that very much. Um, if you would like to share your blog, we can we can absolutely uh, share your blog if you wanna shout so that fun. out at the end. Yes, uh, we'll make sure to leave time for that. Um, but I think that that's when we feel compelled to tell our stories, right? Mm -hmm. Is when we're hurt or when we're experiencing big emotions, maybe it's joy or something else, but it's typically yeah. the non-mundane that we want to share. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, there's never a benefit to not being open with how you feel. And it's, there's always someone who has been either in that exact feeling or has that exact moment. And there's always someone who can relate and who can understand, which I think is part of the comfort of sharing the story is that you're not alone. Yeah. So I'm not sure if I asked you this at the very beginning of mm -hmm. the podcast, but what brought you to yoga in the first place? Yeah. So I've been yoga like throughout high school and college. And it was just kind of like a fitness class I took is how I viewed it. Um, and then when I moved to Austin, I only knew like one person here. I didn't really like I said, I didn't really know anyone and I didn't know what to do. So in my mind, the best way for me to make friends was to do the activities that I do and then hope people keep showing up at the same time and same day. And then, you know, eventually we have, we already have that common thing. So you can kind of build off that and create that friendship. So for me, that was kind of yoga, went to yoga a lot. And like I said, just wanted that deeper understanding of like, okay, why do we do the things that we do in yoga or like how does this benefit me like just wanting to know the, the mechanics behind it and get that deeper understanding which led me to YTT and you guys at MVP. It sounds like a very um, serendipitous timing of YTT and your decision to become sober. And it was like I said very transformational like I really think it catapulted my life in a brand new direction because I never thought um yoga would be something I would consider as like a career or a lifestyle or something that would um that I could benefit from financially and it's something that I can and that's like the dream like I've never thought of that you know and it's, it's just incredible that's awesome I love that so much never a coincidence 
Mm-mm. Everything happens for a reason. Yeah, definitely. Um, especially that guided meditation with Michelle. It sounds like that was just like <laughs> yes. the best timing in the world. Yeah, it really um, was. Which Michelle has the the knack of doing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she knows she's got she does know yeah she does know absolutely I'll have to have her talk about her developing psychic abilities yeah oh that'd be interesting yeah yeah um so I'm assuming Mm -hmm. that yoga is one of the self-care practices that you utilize now absolutely and other than you know what you talked about kind of leaning into the hobbies the things that you enjoy doing what Mm -hmm. are what are some other self-care practices that you've begun to incorporate that help you feel, you know, supported, grounded? Yeah. Yeah. So having a routine, I definitely benefit from. So I have a strong morning routine of meditating, um, journaling, and then some form of exercise. So with my meditations, I've normally been doing, um, I've been doing headspace for about two years or so. Um, but I've also been introduced to insight timer, which also has like some good meditations on there. So I'm kind of getting into, cause med- like headspace is kind of, they'll have a theme that they cover at the beginning of it. And then they'll kind of just do like a, a guided check-in kind of throughout your meditation of just like, Oh, bring yourself back to the breath. If you've, you know, veered away. So I've been doing that for like two years and I got kind of bored with it. And now I'm kind of more messing with just doing it unprompted and unguided just sitting with myself um to kind of bring in that further introspection um and then also the yeah more of the guided meditations so on this trip i just went um we did a couple guided meditations as a group and one of them was releasing so we had this mantra or this mantra of um i bless you and I release you so we you know in the guided meditation he was talking about you know what are things that maybe are holding you back from being you from being authentic and in my mind's eye you know like I said I saw like that dark shadow version of of me like my outline but I saw kind of like tendrils like it was like octopuses like pulling me back and like holding me back and I realized like it was me holding myself back because I know like I doubt myself a lot and I kind of critique myself a lot so I realized it was, it was me holding me back this whole time. So, you know, it was really nice and like therapeutic to just be like, I bless you and I release you. So doing kind of more of the guided meditations is something I've gotten more into, which has been really, really profound and really deep, which I've been enjoying. Um, journaling, I've been journaling for a long time, but I kind of mess around with like how I journal. Um, I think the past year or so I've listed I start my journal with three things I'm grateful for every day. And I think that just always puts me in the right mindset. Um, Cause even if it's like the most basic thing of like this warm blanket, having housing, like it really puts things in perspective, you know? And then other times, like, I think I wrote in my journal this morning that like, I'm grateful that the plane landed safely and on time when I came home yesterday. Like, it's really like the little things, you know? So that kind of helps put me in the right mindset. And then the thing other thing I journal about, which I've learned from YTT was pies. So like physically I'll do a check-in, like, how do I feel today? Maybe I'm a little tired because I didn't sleep well, or I'm sore because I did this workout yesterday. And then intellectually for me, that means like, what were my thoughts? So I meditate before I journal. So maybe it's like, okay, well, I was thinking a lot about this during meditation. Um, Emotionally, how am I feeling? Well, I have a lot going on this week. Maybe I'm a little overwhelmed. Um, And the last one, like spiritually, I look at that as like, what's my connection to myself and to others. And so like, I just came off this 
amazing weekend trip with a bunch of girls and it was just so healing so like I feel very connected to myself and to others right now and then after that um I just kind of journal whatever I'm thinking whatever I'm feeling I try to set a goal of like two pages to like really like let it all out because I realized at first I was just doing a page when I first started journaling but then I realized that it wasn't a complete benefit like I was getting my thoughts out but I wasn't going deep enough like I didn't have because I would like run out of page so I set like two pages and then I would find out get more into the deeper topics when I started that second page of like okay here's like what's really going on with my life or why I really feel this way so I found that was really more beneficial and then yeah some form of exercise like I said I have a dog so we always go at least for a walk in the morning I'll be like the bare minimum um running or yeah yoga in the morning and then other things like I said I keep kind of tying back with this with the sobriety but because I have so much more time I found that like doing the activities that fulfill me um that's a form of self-care so I make it a goal of trying to volunteer um once a month and usually that's kind of like some sort of park cleanup just because I said I love being outside I run outside so I feel like I kind of have a desire and a need to like give back to the world that's like providing so much to me so I try to volunteer like once a month um I really love going to concerts and shows that is something that I will always spend money on and like never regret. Like I will absolutely go into debt for that because that is something that just like gives me joy. So I've gone to so many shows now, especially, yeah, since being sober. And I remember them all now too, which is incredible. <laughs> oh, my friend. <laughs> Thank you for sharing your lightheartedness and your, your, just light energy. Thank you. I You're such a joy to be in presence with. Um, I also enjoy shows, so I agree with you on that statement. You know, it's, it's hard. So and we're in Austin, so there's an abundance of them. So much. Like, I'm realizing, yeah, like, everyone kind of comes here on their tour. And mm -hmm. it was funny, my friend from back home, where it's really hard to see people in shows because it's a smaller town and not very popular for venues and concerts um she's like you've gone to so many things like I'm I'm in awe and I'm like I can't not and they're it's everyone stops in Austin and then tickets are like max maybe like 60 dollars like everything's like between 30 and 60 dollars it's incredible it's a beautiful opportunity yeah we really have a good a good thing here <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so your morning routine is like really inspiring me to Aww. see what I can do for, because, you know, that's something that I feel like I struggle with, um, mm -hmm. is creating that kind of like that space for myself. Yeah. It's great. It takes me like an hour every morning or so, but it's such a beautiful time. Cause it's like, maybe the sun hasn't come up yet. Like it's time to myself before the world like forces itself on me. And I feel like I have obligations to do this and to that. Like, it's a really nice way to, to center and like find yourself before allowing the day to happen to you, you know? Yeah. Let me ask you a very specific question about that. <laughs> and this is probably just for my benefit, but maybe the listeners will appreciate it yeah. too. Um, how do you keep yourself from not being present when you do that in the morning? Because I find that when I get up and maybe it's just because I'm an anxious person um, right. that whatever I spend my time doing, I'm already thinking about my work obligations and you know right. my chores and right I think about it as um I mean like if I have like real anxiety about something like I'm I know I'm going on another trip soon so like 
I have like three notes in my phones of like, okay, here's the route I'm going to take when I do this road trip. Here's where I'm staying. Here's the Airbnb. Here's how long it's going to take to drive. Like I break it down and like get it out of my head. So like in another list I have is like, okay, here's all the things I should pack. So like writing things down definitely helps where I think that's where the journaling can come in. Um, and then, yeah, when I lose focus of the present, I remind myself that like, if it's like something for work, cause I think about, okay, yeah, I have work in a couple of hours. I already know I need to do these tasks. Like I know work is still going to be there. Like it's not going to change if I were to do that task at 6am versus at like 9am. Like that's not, it's still going to be there. It's not going to make like a drastic life difference. Um, and then I find that if there's like other things that I'm like, keep drifting, like a reoccurring thought that I keep drifting back to, I'm like, okay, maybe this is like trying to tell me something. And that's kind of usually what I'll journal about too. It's like, okay, I keep having this thought of this or like this song keeps playing in my head, like kind of thing. And I hope that was helpful. That was absolutely helpful. Okay. okay. Um, absolutely. Yes. Just more things that I need to discover about myself, kind of like we were talking about, just like the more room for study. Yeah. 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 Just, I think the, the reminder that you have to, you have this one life, this one body, this is like your time, like how you want to spend your time is just, again, so empowering and so freeing. So like, if you want to, like, if you want to waste the energy, like thinking about things in the future that are probably going to happen anyways, or, you know, that take you away from the past or, or excuse me, the present, you can do that. That's if that's, again, if that's how you want to spend your energy and that works for you, that's fine. But usually I want to say like 80 to 90% of the time, no one wants to do that. Like they would rather spend their energy being in the present, living in the now. And then, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, it's been so great to talk with you to end off our conversation together. A couple things. Yes. Do you have a favorite mantra that you come back to or like saying or you know your one phrase recently I've been listening to Glennon Doyle's podcast after I read her book Untamed um and her go-to is we can do hard things and that's when I was running my half marathon I literally just repeated that over and over in my head I was like we can do hard things like I can do hard things so that helps a lot in the like a physical aspect I feel like for emotionally and spiritually I just kind of remind myself that like nothing worth doing is ever easy like doing the hard things there's a benefit to them like they're there's a reason they're hard and it's like if it was easy then you know everyone would do them um so just reminding myself that like it's it's worth doing even though it is hard or maybe it requires time and effort or whatever the requirement is that's awesome thank you I like that I actually just shared something like that. Like you can do hard things. That's a great mm -hmm. one that's been sitting well with me. So I found yep. it interesting that you, that's what you shared. Mm -hmm. um, again, no coincidences, right? Just <laughs> the universe is reminding. Okay. Yeah. Any final thoughts or feelings um, at all that you want to share with the listeners about your story or, you know, anything at all? The floor is yours. I think... Hmm. The first thing that comes to mind is that I know like sobriety can be really scary for people because again, like they don't know maybe where to start. They don't have the knowledge. They don't have the community. But I think even just taking that first step, whether 
you don't even have to be sober. Like if you're just sober curious, if you're just wondering, you know, maybe just doing one day of not drinking and just seeing how you feel. Um, I think just taking that first step is always a step in the right direction. So whether that's researching, whether that's an action, whether that's finding a community that would support you, I think that's a great step. And just that even if you didn't have anyone in your corner, I'm in your corner, I'm rooting for you. And I'm Michaela's rooting for you. MVP's rooting for you. Like we are, we can be your support. And I'm always more than happy to help and, and talk to people about it as well. If people, I mean, I'm, I'm in a, not a, a professional in any capacity. I just have my life experience that I just share with others. And it seems that some people benefit from it. So <laughs> I'm more than happy to, to help and to talk as well. If anyone wants the guidance or just wants to vent, I am a great listener. <laughs> oh, Ashlyn, you're so sweet. Um, and we're so thankful to have you as part of the MVP community. You're such a wonderful asset. I know the students love connecting with you and peer support. Um, and it's been such a pleasure to share space with you this morning. Um, thank you for your vulnerability, for sharing your story, um, and for allowing us in. Um, Thanks yes. for listening. That's sometimes the hardest part is just listening. And that's usually what people need to do most of the time. People just need to get stuff off their chest and just listen so I appreciate you just just listening I feel very supported and seen and heard so thank you of course it's my ultimate pleasure really um so that'll be it for us today everyone thank you again for joining us I hope to see you again next week have a great rest of your day yeah.